Hey, great podcast you don't want to miss. We take it all on today. Um, We take on China. We take on the new gun bill that just passed in the Senate and show you what you can do. Mike Lee joins us for that. We also uh, talk to the Missouri AG who is taking on the federal government on schools uh, because the federal government is now saying we're going to pull all of your school lunch money unless you have gender neutral bathrooms, etc., etc. And we talked to the Oklahoma uh, uh, Department of uh, Education. He's the uh, the secretary of the Department of Education. He is great on schools as well. And I ask him, what what is the real ramification? What happens if we just abolish the Department of Ed? That's our theme tonight on our television show tonight at 9 p.m. on Blaze TV. Here's the podcast brought to you by Goldline. Um, Tons of Americans still don't know it is possible to use your retirement account to acquire precious metals. People say, I don't have any money. Do you have a 401k? Do you have anything like that? Because there's a good shot. If you're saving up for your retirement, if you have it in regular stocks, it's going to be a problem. You've lost how much money already. Please take a portion of that and call Goldline. Find out right now how you can protect your retirement with gold or silver. Tell them that I sent you from the podcast and give uh, Goldline the code MYB, which represents Mind Your Business. It's a silver bar that we made together at Goldline a while back, and it's they're just going to give it to you as a thank you for calling in. Uh, request your information at their website at goldline.com, but I would call them 866-GOLDLINE. Tell them Glenn sent you and mind your own business, and they'll send you that silver for free. 866-GOLDLINE. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Senator Mike Lee is joining us. In case you didn't hear, um, John Cornyn and other very, very popular senators um, sold us out uh, and uh, and worked on comprehensive gun control. It passed the Senate. Um, Did anybody read it? I don't know. Senator Lee, Mike, did anybody read it? Did you guys have time? Well, look, I assume that a small handful must have read it because there were a group of senators, 10 Republicans and 10 Democrats who got together and wrote this behind closed doors. I hope they read it, but I don't think anyone else had the chance to. Uh, In fact, by yesterday afternoon, mid-afternoon, a number of news media outlets were reporting that they had the bill text. Senators still didn't. We received the bill text just moments before we were expected to vote on it. And it ended up getting an overwhelming vote because basically all Democrats and 10 or 15 Republicans voted for it. This is stunning to me. This is not how the Senate is supposed to operate. I mean, okay, so, Mike, tell me, tell 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 me this, first of all, Um the devil is always in the details. You're an attorney. Most of you guys in the Senate are attorneys. So you've, you know this. You, you can say one thing, but I'm never going to sign a contract that is just a kind of a list of things that are in the contract. Say, yeah, it's all done. I'm going to read every word of that contract because the way it's worded makes all the difference in the world. 
Is that did you right. just get a list of stuff or did you get the actual physical bill with all of the legal jargon in it? And if so, how could you possibly read it, even if you had it for two hours? Right. Uh, we, we, we got the, the text of the bill and the blind vote was required within an hour. And, and so with, with only moments to review, no committee hearings, no regular order, a vote was held with implications concerning a pretty essential constitutional right. And immediately after, uh, uh, Senator Schumer, the, the majority leader, uh, used the procedure, it's called uh, filling the, the, the tree and filing cloture, which means he's going to block all amendments. It means that this bill text is now sacred. It's now protected. It's like it's on, on stone tablets, and you can't change it from here on out. And this is how they set it up so that they can pass it as is without any amendments. This is the Senate operating at its worst. It operates at its best when people bring forward legislation, they propose something, and the senators hold hearings on it, they discuss the language, they debate it, and then they, they also debate amendments. They say, okay, this provision here might be okay if you made these changes. This one over here might be okay if you made those changes. That's what the American people deserve. They deserve better from the world's greatest deliberative body. They didn't have that here so mike do we even really have a senate process anymore because it to me as an outsider it sounds like you got a group of people uh anywhere from three to ten that get together decide on what's going to be voted what the bill is then they put it in front of you guys say you you know you have no time to read it you just have to vote trust us I mean, I don't know the last time I heard a real debate on a bill. I mean, you used to when they were important things, we would watch C-SPAN, believe it or not, and we would listen to you guys debate back and forth. I can't think of a time that that has happened in the last 10 years. Do we have a Senate? Well, yeah, we, we do. We do. And there are plenty of times where that has happened. It was noticeably absent here. And yes, we do have a Senate. We do have a process for those things to happen. And we routinely do use them. The problem arises where we don't use them, where senators choose not to do it. Now, look, I've given you the bad news. The good news is this still isn't over. This thing isn't passed yet. What we voted on last night was uh, known as a motion to proceed. We, it's a procedural motion to get onto the bill. Uh, in a couple of days, uh, probably sometime tomorrow, we'll be casting another vote that's called the cloture vote which is uh, about how to bring debate to a close, which seems uh, it's potentially perfunctory here because apparently what they've got in mind is no amendments at all and not much real debate at all. But if, if you can't get to 60 votes voting to bring debate to a close through cloture tomorrow, then this thing can't pass. So it's not entirely baked yet. It's just mostly baked. If we can convince enough senators to say, hey, this needs more time, this needs more deliberation, this needs more debate, then perhaps we can have a real process here, which is what we really want. But don't we have, don't we have 15 Republicans, is it 12 or 15, that voted for it? So you would need... So I believe it was you'd 14. Need, you know, probably, I think it was 14 last night. Okay, so you'd, you'd was, need at least four to flip. Yeah, uh, five. You'd need five. 
But see, Glenn, this is this highlights another issue that I've got with it, especially in an election year like this one, as contentious as it's become. And with a Democratic president who has become as abusive as he has of government processes and of policies that are important to Republicans, I think it's disappointing, really, that we've got a bill that unites, as far as I can tell, all 50 Democrats. And it deeply divides Republicans. Why? Why do this now? What? Why do this without at least any process? Look, I I understand the need for bipartisanship. I understand that not every Republican is always going to agree with every other Republican. But at least give us the process. And that's why it's on that basis that I'd encourage my Republican colleagues who voted to proceed last night to strongly reconsider their vote when it comes to cloture. Let's not bring this debate to a close when we're nowhere near ready to fully understand this thing. The, the, the American people really do deserve better here. Who do we need to call? Well, look, I think a good place to I, a good place to start would be anyone who voted to proceed on that last night. Uh, and separate and apart from calling them, just having a national discussion about what's in the bill, about some of the uncertainties in it. Um, and, and I want to make clear, there are a number of legislative options before us that do address or could address things that can be done practically to improve safety in this area. One, one of those things is called the Luke and Alex School Safety Act, and that's included in this bill, and it codifies into law the Federal Clearinghouse on School Safety. I spoke in favor of that bill at a hearing last week, and that bill is included within this package. And I'm open to others, uh, other ideas that, that tackle safety in schools head on. Senator Marshall has an interesting so, proposal, for example, that would that would use unspent COVID funds to improve school safety and security. <laughs> and I could also in, in, support increasing penalties for straw purchasers who know or have reason to know that the gun they're purchasing is for someone who will use it in a crime. So, um, Mike, is it true with these red flag laws that are in this bill that the money goes to states for school safety that will um, that will adopt the red flag laws? Is that true? There's Um, there there seems to be money being held back from basically red states. Yeah, I mean, you're you're on the right track. It's not exactly that. It's it's not school safety funds. That go to red flag law states, but it's it's other funds, um, these um, uh, criminal enforcement called burn jag grants that will be made more available to states with red flag laws than those without them. And we th- there is really bad, ambiguous, vague language in there that purports to protect due process, purports to protect the the rights of the person. Uh, accused of something before they take can take their guns away, but the language is loose enough that I think you could you could run a Mack truck through it, and I think these uh, these states that have existing red flag laws that have no real due process uh, protections to speak of uh, are probably going to be just fine. They won't have to make any changes to them. I mean, think about it, Glenn. If if somebody takes away a constitutional right from you. Don't you think that the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments, if it's government taking away a constitutional right from you, don't you think that those two amendments require 
that you be given due process of law before they can deprive you of life, yes. liberty, or property? Yes. I mean, we have two different yes. provisions of the Constitution that say as much. And so anytime we're tinkering with that, as I think we are when we give extra money to states with red flag laws, because red flag laws allow the government to come in and take uh, your gun away without giving you a full access to a full hearing in front of a court in which you can present evidence uh, uh, to the judge and in which you can confront your witnesses. I mean, we've got multiple constitutional protections at place here at stake. It's Not crazy. The Second Amendment, this is, this is, but also your due process rights, your confrontation clause rights, your jury trial rights. They're all being undermined by this, arguably. And we, we need to know what this actually does before Congress passes it. Um, Cornyn said last week he was booed at the um, GOP convention in Texas. And he said, as he left, I don't I don't give in to mobs. Uh, This doesn't bother me. Um, And I thought, well, that's not a mob. Those are the people you're supposed to represent. That's the party that you are supposed to represent. What, What do you mean it's a mob now? Um, he's quoted as saying, um, first guns, now immigration and cinema is quoted as saying, that's right. We're going to do it. Um, so Cornyn apparently is, you know, on the road now for, for, uh, negotiations on the border. It, 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 is that possibly true? Please tell Wait, me. Meaning no. he's not in Washington. No, he's in Washington. Last Friday, he gave a speech where he said where he was booed at the GOP convention. And he said, uh, I don't give in to mobs. I'm not going to give in to you. Um, and uh, he was booed because of his his work on this this gun uh, reform. Now, apparently, he has said to Senator Alex Padilla, uh, first guns, now immigration. And. um Padilla smiled. This is according to uh, sources that he smiled and uh, cinema said, that's right. We're going to do it. So apparently he's now pledging his support for amnesty as well on the border. Wow. Okay. So that's, that's news to me that I would be a little surprised if he thought that was a good idea right now. And so I I wouldn't want to, Speak for, for him on this, but that would surprise me a little bit, especially given this administration's problems with the border. I mean, that's basically killed any chance for immigration reform with an administration that has refused to enforce the border at all, resulting in the multi-billion dollar profits flowing into international drug cartels. Uh, so, yeah, that part would surprise me. But, but this, I, this raises I, an interesting I, connection. I, if we were to do that. Go ahead. I would be worried. We don't we ought not have a handful of Republicans empowering and uniting all Democrats in the Senate. That's how bad policy is made, especially when you rush it through without the public having adequate opportunity to understand what's being passed. Senator Mike Lee, as always, good to have you on. Thanks for standing up. Um, Tell us what we can do. I mean, we have millions of people that are uh, want to stop this, want to help. Um, so, uh, I guess we'll start with those Republicans too. If you can get that list of those Republicans that, uh, voted last night to proceed with this, this gun violence bill, Mike Lee, thank you very much. We'll talk again. 
You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. You know, this this gun control stuff could not happen at a better time in some ways. You know, 20 years ago, we kind of trusted our government. Uh, We did exactly the opposite of what George Washington said. George Washington said, treat government like a fire. Uh, When you're in control of it, it will keep you warm and it's fine. It could be useful when it's in control of you. It will burn everything down. Um, We now are starting to at least some of us are starting to look at the government. And there's no way the Patriot Act uh, would have passed uh, today, you know, assuming we had a regular Senate and everything else. I can't imagine that uh, the Patriot Act would have would have come close to passing today because there's enough people who are like, uh, uh-uh, no more power for you guys. No more power. Now we're giving them the red law, uh, the red flag laws. We're giving them the power to say, oh, you know what? You've been you've had some mental health problems. Oh, you've had Prozac. Whatever it is, and I'm sure there's going to be a really simple way to, you know, combat this in the courts because you don't get to face your accuser. So all of that is bad, but here's the worst part of it. And this is the main thing that I think every American should be able to relate to, and it should give them pause. If red flag laws, now hear me out, if you're a Democrat or voted a different way, that's fine. Just please hear me out on this. If red flag laws become the law of the land, do you think that Hunter Biden would lose his guns or go to jail? Looking just at the existing red flag laws, as well as the DOJ's model legislation about them, in essence, a petitioner may approach the court and request a, a close relative, friend, student, patient, have their firearm taken away if they have cause for believing that person will hurt themselves or others. The judge has to consider multiple factors, including criminal history, drug abuse, threatens, or threats, if they've threatened anyone, attempted or actual use of force, or even how recently the gun was purchased. It's a pretty wide net, and it can catch whomever it needs to catch. And conversely, let anyone you need to let through, through. Now, let me tell you a story. 2018, Hallie Biden took Hunter Biden's gun, wrapped it in a shopping bag, and then chucked it into the trash can outside of a supermarket across from a school. When they went back to get the gun, it was gone. Now, somebody had gone through the trash, found the gun, and turned it into the supermarket, and the supermarket called police. But like so many Hunter Biden stories, the chaos created... Uh, some sort of a sandstorm, which you can't find anything anymore. And just tidbits of information emerged. The main one being that the gun in question was purchased by Hunter Biden illegally. Let me say that again. This gun purchased by the son of the president of the United States was purchased in the in the East Coast 
in a in a fashion that is illegal and the east coast they come down on you like a bag of bricks next to the question that you have to fill out when you buy a gun for a background check are you an unlawful user or addicted to marijuana any depressant stimulant narcotic drug or any other controlled substance the answer with hunter biden is clearly and was clearly yes but he checked no hunter recalled the gun in the garbage incident in a text found on his abandoned laptop and in it he said she stole the gun out of my trunk lockbox and then threw it in a garbage can full uh, uh can full to the top at jansen's that's the grocery store she said she took it from me because she was scared i would harm myself due to my drug and alcohol problem and our volatile relationship and that she was afraid for the kids is that red flag Hallie wrote to Hunter saying, I'm scared you would use it, Hunter. I'm scared for your life, Hunter. I love you. I'm sorry. But Hunter was enraged. He texted her saying, uh, they think you're scared I would shoot you, you effing a-hole. You now have me as an as a abusive pedophile with homicidal tendencies. And that's now in the hands of the FBI. So she said all of these things. She told the FBI, uh, I'm afraid for our life. I'm afraid for the children. Uh, I'm afraid that he might use it on himself. He is addicted to drugs, to crack cocaine. It was in the hands of the FBI. How long would you have the gun or be free on the streets if that happened to you? In desperation, she wrote back, I'm at the end of my sanity. He responded in multiple messages saying, uh, what right do you have, Hallie? There are five guns in my dad's house. Uh, there are effing more weapons in your son's room than in an armory. What's my F up owning a gun? How, Hallie, is that wrong? It's only wrong if you make me out to be unstable. I'm proven unstable when you put a gun in the trash can at Jansen's out of fear. Hmm. Then again, in a separate message, he writes, what fear? Hunter is either insane, homicidal, or just a drug addict. He finally ended the conversation saying, you're right, Hallie. My life is meaningless. There were no charges filed as a result of this incident. None. If you voted for uh, uh, Joe Biden and you believe in all of these red flag laws, then why isn't Hunter Biden in jail today? If you really believe these people in Washington to believe this, then why wouldn't just a good father say, you know, dude, you've got to pay a price for your behavior. And now, even though it added the uh, to the unraveling of hunter and hallie's toxic relationship no legal consequences now the agency denied it even political reported the secret service was likely involved but the agency the fbi said no that didn't happen what how did the what you and i both know 
you and I both know that the ramifications of Hunter Biden's activities and his tragic saga go well beyond Hunter Biden because they are teaching people a lesson. We are moving towards a society that has a ruling class that lives above their own edicts. They tell us they know better. They tell us that our neighbors and even some of us are dangerous while ignoring the dangers in their own lives or in their own families. We now expect that our leaders and those that have favor with those leaders will not face any consequences. And even if you are a leader, if you don't play games with the leadership, you're out. Look at Elon Musk. Elon Musk now has the number one car uh, for uh, rated on how much of it is built in America. Number one. Yet he's thrown under the bus. He, I guess, is not American enough. We saw it during COVID-19, and we will see it again with gun regulations. The rules for thee and not for me. This is why Americans cannot give an inch, not one inch of our liberty away on the grounds of the government's good faith. They have no good faith left. They have violated every single principle of liberty, and they've done it in the name that they know better. Follow the science. Follow the experts. Well, they're the experts. They're the ones who have screwed this up. The American people have not screwed this up. The American people are not the reason why our, our uh, government is so corrupt other than the fact that we continue to vote them into office. We weren't the ones running the Fed. We're not the ones at the money printing uh, shop at the Treasury. We're not the ones that are screaming for war. Even if red flaws were not flatly unconstitutional and a threat to all of our liberty, which they are, they should still be resisted for the very reason that the political elite cannot be trusted. Our political betters continue to surround themselves with armed guards. They continue to shield themselves from the laws that they themselves enact. When you have the Capitol Police colluding with the leadership because the police work for them, when you have the Secret Service and the FBI colluding on crimes with our political leadership, they cannot be trusted. That is why they want your guns gone. It's not anything to do with our kids. It has nothing to do with anything. They want, again, I go back to George Washington. When the government fears the people, there is freedom. When the government, when the people fear the government, there is tyranny. The only equalizer is the gun. Well, you can't fight the United States military. I don't know. 
I mean, we don't have any caves to hide in, but it seemed to work well in Afghanistan, didn't it? They're shielding these themselves from the laws that they enact themselves. And at the same time, they're calling on us to strip each other of our rights. They want us to do it. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Just as we saw during COVID-19, just as we saw with the Patriot Act that is now being horribly abused by the people in power that swore they'd never abuse it, red flags are not about your safety. Period. They are about your submission. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Lily Tang Williams. Um, I believe we talked long ago, Lily. Uh, and then I know you were supposed to be on our TV show on the day that Robin Williams uh, passed away. And somehow or another, we just lost track of each other. Welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing great. And I remember 2014 <laughs> that, that I was looking forward to get on your TV show with uh, Bob Fu. Yeah. But it's okay. You found me now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And you're running for the U.S. House uh, up in um, up in New Hampshire. And if anybody wants to follow her, it, her Twitter is Lily for the number four Liberty. And um and uh, I, I want to talk to you about that, but I'd like to start at the beginning. And Lily, this might take a couple of episodes. I, I don't know if you have time tomorrow, but I might ask you to come back tomorrow because I think your backstory is so important. And I've only got about 25 minutes with you today. Um, so but let, let's explore and see what see what see what happens before we get into ESG, which you're fighting against and have a lot to say about. Could you just please go through? You were born in in China. You were born in a poor working family, and it was right before the Cultural Revolution, right? Correct. Yes, two years before Mao's um, the Great Proletarian Cultural Revolution. <laughs> okay, so I I have I believe we are in a cultural revolution right now, not far off from Mao. Less violence, obviously, but we are. You know, he made you stand in the open square and and confess and and denounce your parents and everything else. And uh, we are so close to that. Would you agree or disagree with that? Well, I have been speak up calling my two cultural revolutions. One, I survived under Mao. I was born in China and went through his 10 years social political chaos and indoctrination and when he died i was only 12 years old the whole time i did not challenge anything i accepted everything i was told and uh, i accepted five black classes which is under you know um oppressors group and the five red classes which is under oppressed group we were lucky, I guess, to be red class. So therefore, I could join Mao's Young Pioneer, Red Guard, and Communist Youth Member, mm. all for students. I was chanting, long live Chiang Mao, long live the Communist Party in my schools every day. 
and the politics was in your face, in your life, like a 24 hours a day. You could not have downtime. You could not talk about anything long political. I thought I was doing the right thing by calling out black class families, by eliminating okay, so- them. So- Wait, 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 wait. Tell me what a black class family would have been. You were working class and poor. What's a black class family? Well, it's a typical, of course, the Marxist also um, communist um, term is oppressor versus oppressed. But the Mao went to even further. He divided all Chinese citizens because all Chinese will have same skin color and race. But he used economical class and political class to put five black classes, which is called, for example, rightist, bad influencers, landowners, county revolutionaries, and potentially basically capitalist rich people, all under black classes. But some are very subjective, like how do you define bad influence rightists and countries revolutionaries? Correct. But on the other side, five red classes is based on your economic status. Like I was red because my parents were illiterate workers class and the peasants and also the revolutionary heroes and soldiers and all communist party members and carters. They were the red classes. So we were fighting against each other tooth and nail. My memory started as a child. The black classes family would go to public square to lower their head, to apologize, to be public shamed, and to throw rocks at and uh, by red guards. Red guards were shutting down schools by mouth and told red guards to go Unleash your political activism against all black families. So that's what I saw when I was a little girl at the height of cultural revolution, about 67, 68, that you saw those very scary public square struggle sessions. We, you know, people start to discover them now in America called a struggle session. And so, so we have now, um, if I, if I understand this right, you were encouraged to take some of these things on yourself, not just in the public square, but you were encouraged to shun, ban, or whatever black class families on your own? Well, we were indoctrinated in school like that. Also, every day in our communities, we lived in a family, like, like a basically community housing, um, you know, provided by my dad's factory. And 6.30 every morning, there was loudspeaker come on because we were next to the school to tell us, get up and go to work and go to school, long never to my mom, eliminate black class families. Mm. And uh, it just, it, it's in your face every day. It's like an action. When, you, when I think about it, when I wake up, it was like a concentration camp. Every day you have loudspeakers come on. You cannot sleep in, you cannot be late, and you have to chant slogans. Then you go to school for the fourth 15 minutes. We sing the red song. We hold the little mouse red books. And the way we'll do some little bit, even dancing moves. Then we start to sit down to study Chinese and a math. It was long time. you... Days a week. Wow. Um, and you... Um, I've got to ask this question. <laughs> Let me just change this real quick. D- in, did math include indoctrination as well? Or was it just straight math? Back then, it was... a. Uh, 
simple straight math. Traditionally, Chinese okay. value math and science and technology. But during Mao's Cultural Revolution, though, he canceled schools. He closed down all schools. He canceled the individual meritocracy and the academic excellence and the scientists. Correct. So somebody took college exam, for example, right after like Mao's, um, he turning a blank paper. Like, I'm not going to do this test. It's like test is not politically correct. I'm a worker. I don't need a test. So he turning a blank page and get a zero for his uh, math. And he become a hero. <laughs> he was like in New wow. Zealand. He's a pure workers class. We don't need a test. We don't need an academic excellence. So why bother all the My gosh. old Chinese, Chinese culture, which is a value excellence in academics? How similar? I mean, do you ever just kind of break out in a cold sweat when you see what's happening now in your new country of America and just go, guys, what is wrong with you? Can't you see what's coming? Well, I was uh, speaking around the country for five years as a speaker for victim of uh, yeah. communism and moral foundation. For five years, I noticed our school kids do not know the real history. Their eyes were huge. When I tell them my personal stories, and the teachers even don't know. So I wonder what they learn in teachers' college. But the last two years, to be honest with you, I'm terrified, Glenn. I couldn't sleep. I woke up at night to think about my past, my childhood. It's like, a, what's going on in my new country? This looks so similar. Similar terms, tactics, and the identity politics, then toppling down statues and burning down buildings. And the looting and the violence, the mob dominate the street and cancel culture, silence, all dissident voices. I was terrified, and that's yeah. why I'm running now. I'm running for Congress. Yeah. Um, you're running for Congress, and you're running in, um, in New Hampshire. Um, LilyTangWilliams.com. You can follow her on Twitter at Lily for Liberty. Um, Lily, let's, uh, let, let's go to uh, ESG. When you look at ESG, what do you see? It's a similar to a Communist Party in China's social credit system. The social credit system right now is basically on every Chinese citizen's cell phone. So it, 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 they use American financial FICA score system and uh, kind of invented as a social credit score where everybody starts at like a certain point. Then you get a plus minus point for your speeches, behaviors, and, uh, and your, 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 your financial, of course, but also most likely your social media posts. And your health code is on your phone for COVID tracking, vaccine passport. If you go out with your cell phone to buy groceries, you have a green code on your cell phone. That means... Uh, you are safe. You are negative. By the time you come back to your community, you feel fine, but your code turns orange. They will not allow you to go home. They will force you to go quarantine because you were exposed to potential COVID when you were outside. Oh, my gosh. There's some people oh my who are gosh. not allowed to go home. And my friends in the past 10 weeks, retired lawyers in China, Shanghai, were locked down in their homes. 
and no food because everybody is trying to fight for a little bit of food for online purchases on their app. But mostly they're relying on government deliver food, centralized planning to deliver food to 25 million people in Shanghai. It, how could that be, you know, um, workable, effective? People are starving. People are committing suicide. My parents were depressed. They even told me on the WeChat app to say, wonder why Americans hold on to their Second Amendment, because they wish they had some because their spare cases were barbed wired by electricity. They could not get out of their buildings. It's concentration camp. I, I know that I read a story about one woman who uh, went out shopping. She got the orange code on her phone. She wasn't allowed to go get her baby who was breastfeeding. Uh, and somebody else was in the house that was also dependent on her. And she, they wouldn't let her go back. And God only knows what happened to the child. Well, I have lots of first, uh, you know, like um, first-handed materials from a Chinese uh, um, app, WeChat, which is, of course, censored, so I couldn't say anything. But I'm going to put on my YouTube, Lily Tang William, to show people we shall never forget what happened in Shanghai, which is the most wealthy international city in China. We only yeah. know about Shanghai because there are international, lots of foreigners live there, and they have some kind of internet access. Imagine 370 million people were under lockdown. The West will not know about them. And like in all over the China, like 40-something cities. And at the same time, China, you know, infiltrating the West and telling our students how wonderful they are. And they pay money to influence our universities through Confucius Institute since Obama for 18 years. They might be still going on, but under different names. Yeah. So back to social credit right. system. Is that this ESG basically uses some kind of uh, um, international rating scoring um, on private companies, on our states, on public traded companies, give them this uh, environmental social governance score. It's uh, very political. It's based on climate change rhetoric. You have to be PC. You have yeah. to buy into all those rhetorics. Otherwise, you are not... A, politically correct and you will get a less score you get a less capital investment it's use this kind yep. of politics control our states our municipalities our companies where is american going going after china model to track people lily i uh i i'm unfortunately i have to run we have another guest coming up in just a second but i'd like to have you back um and uh and tell us some more about um I'd really like you to explain the dangers of making everything political. I don't think people understand this is a communist and a Maoist uh, tool. Everything is about politics now. And you've seen that firsthand. Right. It's very dangerous to our constitutional republic. And I came here, I thought, hey, constitutional rights going to protect me. I was not political. It took me 20 years to get rid of my indoctrination in my new country. But once I wake up, I just cannot believe the tactics, the terms, the, 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 all the strategies and, and the political stuff they're using. I just cannot recognize my new country. I feel it's my duty to come right. out. 
to call them out and to warn our American citizens we don't want to go down that path. It's very dangerous. We were being enslaved. Uh, Lily for Liberty is her Twitter handle, lilytangwilliams.com. She's running uh, for the House in New Hampshire. Um, Lily, we'll have you on back soon, hopefully on tomorrow. I just I want to hear your explanation of what turned you uh, while you're in China away from Mao. And it was a friend giving you a copy of the Declaration of Independence. LilyTangWilliams.com, Lily for Liberty.